So, hello, uh, we are the Linux Lads. Uh, my name is Connor. My name is Shane. My name is Mike. And we are just um, just a bunch of uh, Irish lads. Um, uh, when we decided we're just going to do a bit of a podcast here. So, um, if you want to get in contact with us, we are also all organisers of the Dublin Linux user group, um, dublinlinux.org. But this is not um, anyway affiliated with that. It's just if you want to get in contact with us, uh, it's probably the best way to get in contact with us there. Um, that group also does monthly meetups. So if you want to come and hang out with us in the pub, you can also do it there. Um, so probably the first topic that we have here is we're going to... Uh, it's a bit late <laughs> at this stage, but we're beginning to talk about uh, Ubuntu 1804, which is quite um, quite a big release because it's an LTS. It's an LT- uh, LTS long-term support release. And also the fact that they've, sw- they've switched over from Ubuntu Unity over to um, the GNOME desktop environment. So, um, Mike, what are your thoughts really about um, the whole Ubuntu 1804? And... Um, that as a platform. Well, I just think it's a massive consolidation on the side of Ubuntu for, you know, all of the platforms. So they they basically come up with a platform that anybody can build anything on top. And people do obviously. You have uh, a plethora of distributions from Mint, Elementary, Neon, uh, Zorin. All of these and many more are built on it, and they have something they you know canonical takes care of the base. And you just put stuff on top of it, and uh, as far as it's been a while, as you mentioned, it's been a while for a for a few months now. Uh, they are on the point one release now, and uh, it seems to be all good. Uh, GNOME works for everybody so far, and for those who don't, there are plenty of other distributions based on it. Yeah, I like the fact that they're um, consolidating on GNOME. Um, when they were off doing their own thing, um, Ubuntu Unity, it was. Some people loved it, some people didn't really like it, but it was kind of perceived as them going off and doing their own thing, whereas going back to um, going back to the GNOME desktop environment, it's kind of consolidating back to, um, you have the likes of uh, Red Hat with Fedora's working on it, you've uh, Ubuntu, uh, or um, not Ubuntu, but uh, OpenSUSE, um, and SUSE Linux are all developing on it, so it's kind of more, um, more um, brains in the pot. Uh, dealing with um, GNOME, so the fact that they're switching over back to GNOME, it's kind of uh, all the one boat raises or one or the sea raises all boats or whatever different that phrase is. <laughs> um, so Shane, what are your what are your thoughts really on the whole? Yeah, um, I want to um, eighteen or four. As you mentioned, I think the only major change is for that I would be like aware of. Like um, would be the change from like Unity to GNOME because obviously I've always been a fan of GNOME. I didn't really like the way GNOME three went. Um, was that GNOME two or GNOME three when they shifted to this kind of? Oh, it's GNOME, GNOME, GNOME three. Uh, yeah, this gesture I don't, I don't thing. Like it. Yeah. yeah, this like gesture based menu kind of thing, trying to ape KDE or something. Like I don't know what that was all about, <laughs> but like that was. Um, you know, I still prefer GNOME to Unity because I'm a sane human being. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Unity, I could see what they were trying to do. They were trying to do this whole convergence thing. They were trying to, like, have a very common UI feel between mobile and desktop. Um, I think that was the whole point of Unity to begin with. But, like, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, just as long as they got away from that desktop, that's good, like, because I think it's horribly inefficient just with that 
thing on the side. What was that? Like, <laughs> uh, the, I think the, the GNOME desktop, they actually pretty much mimic the functionality and looks of Unit as much as they can with the GNOME desktop. Uh, with the, with the uh, canonical or Ubuntu customization of GNOME, they what they're doing is they're making their transition quite e- quite easier, uh, quite a bit easier for people who are used to sixteen oh four, which was the previous LTS, which was using uh, Ubuntu's Unity, and so they're emulating the the visuals of um, Unity a bit with the persistent dock on one side. Um, yeah, that's I think that's just f- to for people who have the, that muscle memory is to make them happy um, but vin- vanilla stock gnome I don't like at all um, it's the whole thing of when they're with their file manager um, Nautilus they were slowly and sh- but steadily getting rid of features and now I think they're they're realising what they got rid of too many features and they're starting to add them back but they're starting to add them back under some weird hamburger menu off to one side and so it's, it's kind of an afterthought um, so much so that I, like things that have been forked off GNOME 2 for example the Cinnamon desktop environment um, with their file manager Nemo I find that that is the the best of best gnome um, file manager out there. Is it's modern GTK three, which is based off the gnome stack, but it's has all the features that you're expecting. In other words, none of the features that gnome got rid of in in their version of Nautilus, which they're now calling files. Uh, I think they're just trying to be very Mac like in the in the fact that they're keeping things very simple very simple and they're even simplifying the names going from Nautilus to just files or maps or things like there's no yeah. no maps and they're just calling it maps and stuff like that. Um like the the gnome video player I think they're just calling it video or some weird shit like that. Um <laughs> uh, oh yeah and uh, <laughs> probably a good thing to mention at this stage uh this would not be uh a safer work podcast <laughs> um, occasionally an occasional swear will come out so uh, we're not going to bleep it we're, if it comes out naturally we're not going to bleep it um, <coughs> excuse me uh, but yeah so um, the whole thing of the simplification of of, um, of uh, GNOME with GTK3 or then GNOME Shell 3 I should say not GTK3 as um, it's just they're, I think they're going the at, when they're designing it I think there was they're expecting the whole convergence thing that because uh, Ubuntu was doing that with Unity at the time, they're thinking, "Holy crap, guys! This is going to start running on on um, on tablets and everything." And uh, I don't uh, tablets kind of went by a bit with the website. Yeah, they're saying this is going to run on tablets and phones and everything, so we're going to keep things really simple and the icons really big because it's going to be touch screen. But um, yeah, for the benefit of the of, of the audio, I actually was doing the whole touch screen thing. But um, yes, the, um, and I think that just kind of fell by the wayside to hold that whole UI paradigm. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the look of the the Ubuntu fight gnome, I I much prefer it over stock gnome. But um, at the moment, I think what I think is the, the killer is. Um, Kubuntu or uh, KDE Neon, Neon, which is based off um, uh, 1804 as well. 
Um, I've seen KDE. I was never a KDE fan myself, but I've seen it recently, and it looks really nice. Yeah, and the um, the uh, the criticism um, for the longest time was KDE was very bloated, and in the KDE four days, um, it was a valid argument. But um, there, there's been cases where they're saying that not only does KDE five look absolutely beautiful, it's probably one of the best designed desktop environments at the moment. Is they're also um, I think they're saying that the, the you can get it running on something like um, 500 or 600 megabytes of RAM or something and it's actually in the latest versions they're really honing in on it really refining um, like the the versions are I think it's up to 513 or something like that um, but in, in the latest ver- versions apparently it's they're just honing down on the resources and it can they can, it can actually run on something surprisingly um, um, slim so much so that um, the whole uh, LXDE thing where LXD is now moving over to LXQT um, I think one of the the lead developers or I, I the name just doesn't escape, um, doesn't come to be at the moment but I think one of the lead developers was literally saying like are we're going to be a slimmed down uh, QT desktop but if the actual KDE can run on, on four or five megabytes of RAM or whatever it is then what's really the point so what's our USB or unique setting point is kind of been eaten into by the fact that KD is just really slim at the moment yeah. uh, so I can't remember what, the, what they're on their latest blogs they're saying like guys we're going to have to think of something else because we can't be just this slim QT that, desktop that's uh, yeah because uh, like I remember I was saying earlier like I would love to get uh, something a little bit more lightweight for for this thing this intraware Apollo yeah. but um, the the thing is like XFCE is what I would originally go for I wouldn't even think of LXDE really because I think it's quite fugly it's very um like windows 2000 era oh yeah xfce yeah. is at least at least does it something it's, it's, it's at least xp era <laughs> it, has, it has something to it it has it has a kind of a shoddy charm to it like, yeah but like yeah no like uh, if kde if you what you're saying is true like and that can run on such slim specs like i mean that sounds like a winner for, for my laptop i think what they were saying is that the Lubuntu developer, what he said is that uh, he can Lubuntu, Lubuntu, yeah, yeah. the LXQT desktop on Lubuntu can do in like if you have a Firefox open on one side, it can do seven hundred mega seven hundred megs of memory, Mm. and maybe the or six hundred and KD can do seven or eight, but then Lubuntu actually used more process of the processor, Mm. yeah, so it kind of. It was on the same level, and if you think about, I, I mean, I'm biased. I'm a KDE user, mm-hmm. uh, so well for now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I have been KDE user for a few months actually since I think about half a year or so, and uh, I can tell the 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 stuff that the desktop gives you if you compare it to something that's considered less of a bloat. Like if you compare it to something that's meant to be real lightweight, mm-hmm. but where you maybe have to configure your own network manager or uh, you know stuff stuff that doesn't come as a as a usable like if you that you know KDE could basically come pre-installed or KDE could come pre-installed on a laptop and you could sell it to people and they should be able to work with it. Mm. Uh, and if it if it's that much that little difference between you know what's supposed to be a very bloat uh, free bloat free. Uh, broad free distribution then we might have to redefine some categories and i think that's what the guys at lubuntu are doing that they are trying well we are not the 
what is it called? Uh, slain more uh, lightweight. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're um a lot a lot of them are shying away from saying we're the the slim lightweight uh, distribution or whatever. Well, that's what LXD stands for, isn't it? Lightweight X11 <laughs> desktop. Environment. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, they they are not using LXD anymore because LXD, I think they kind of decided to stay in the last century or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they, uh, uh, XFC are do, doing something very similar where they're saying no, we're we're more. Th- I think it's the same with the um, uh, LXQT and X the XFE team with um, Zimbuntu. They're shying away from the we're the lightweight distribution, and they're the buzzword that they're going after is actually just occurred to me now is they're going after modularity. They're saying that we are ne- we're going after. Us being the module modular desktop, um, but an um, interesting thing is both LXQT and uh, the XFC um, desktop um, team have said that they're going after do- those kind of uh, dynamics. And Matt, they don't they don't even want to hear about lightweight anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> that said, like, yeah, um, uh, don't call us lightweight. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the friend, the a friend of many the. Um, Ubuntu or Ubuntu related or Linux related podcast is um, Martin Wimpress, who's um, who's probably one of the biggest um, developers on Mate or especially the uh, Ubuntu Mate. Anyway, he's the lead developer of Ubuntu Mate. He's kind of come out and said that that he's saying we're we're definitely not going after the the whole lightweight moniker because. Um, that uh, that has comes with its own baggage, and if you get locked into being the lightweight distribution, then people will complain when you you say, "Oh, there's this application that is actually really useful," and they're saying, oh, "I thought you're supposed to be the lightweight distribution. Why, yeah. why are you including this bloated um, piece of software?" And yeah, they're exactly. saying, "Well, yeah, we kind of want to shy." I think he has come, said that a couple of times. We want to shy away from the whole lightweight thing because if we if we get locked into that, then people will start complaining anyway. Mm. So, um, I mean, like any. Given like you throw a stone at a bunch of Linux distributions, and the one it hits will probably run on most hardware. Yeah, and some form or fashion. Like Linux by nature is lightweight. I think, like it just well, like, you compact. Yeah, to comparing to Windows Ten. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, like it's that, like it, the, the amount of ho- hardware that you could you can run Linux on is is vast. So far more vast than any other OS, I would say. So it's like. It's kind of a moot point sometimes, like because if you are you talking about like a ten year old kind of Dell laptop, or are you talking about something from like the late eighties? Like, if I can't run like, on, how on, old, on my, you know? my new day, how lightweight are we talking here? If it doesn't run on my arm straight, I'm not using it. I mean, um, to a- anybody who's listening who's just completely brand new to to Linux, to give you an idea, if if your uh, laptop or your computer has a core i anything in it in other words from the very first gen uh, core i5 core i or core i3 core i7 all the way up to modern even if you have a very just the very first gen and you have something like three or four gigabytes of ram pretty much everything that we're mentioning here including kd neon kd um kubuntu um regular um, ubuntu with the gnome desktop from environment it will run perfectly yeah. fine on that it would when we're talking about older um computers we're talking about like something like a core 2 geo uh, with two gigs of ram or something uh, but even then something like um, kd neon will probably still be able to run on it i'm not saying it'll it'll run exceeding well but like, like a tad sluggish yeah. it'll be just a tad sluggish it'll still be able to browse the web it'll still bring up YouTube it'll still do everything it'll still be a functional environment but certainly if it has any kind of I in the processor name core I something 
guaranteed. Yeah, like, like, it'll, it'll, it'll run on it. That's the next for you. Like it's it's if if your if your computer was manufactured in the last ten to fifteen years, Linux will run on it. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just like no question. <laughs> is it is it uh, the other problem? Could it be that uh, you know the space where you used to have Ubuntu Mate as of like two three years ago, Dan Elementary or was it the other way? I don't know. And now there's Solus, and now there's now now Lubuntu are coming into the basically the space of distributions that are not sta- standard Ubuntu. They are not Fedora, and they are not SUSE, so or Debian. They are not the first year, as in hu- like hugeness or vastness. But they are the sort of group of distributions that are very well known, and they they have got similar kind of, uh, in my opinion, I don't actually know the numbers, but maybe the same. Uh, user group size mm. like isn't that space a really crowded at this, at this point where you have a lot of similar not similar but a lot, lot of distributions competing for the same customer maybe yeah definitely it, but it, it can be very distracting for new users to have all of these things that are based off each other mm. um, it certainly can be intimidating I know when I was starting off I was like oh this uh, Ubuntu thing of literally my my origins were um, I've heard of this Linux thing and then start um, googling around and said oh this Ubuntu thing seems to be related to this Linux thing and then they so then I was reading like f- um, forums and they said basically there's two different versions of it this was back in 2006 to give you an idea so basically two different versions of, of there's there's one with GNOME which was GNOME 2 um, back when Ubuntu was based off GNOME 2 and there was Kubuntu which was based off KDE and they said okay if you're if you're used to more the Mac layout, you go with the GNOME layout because it has the bar at the top and you that'd be more familiar to you. And if you're used to um, Windows layout, you go with KDE because that is the bar at the bottom and it kind of has a win- um, um, a start menu-like um, desktop environment. Uh, I essentially just put... like. I never really dual booted with anything that I, I tried. Even back in two thousand six, it was go all hog. So I literally put in the, the the disc, and I think I still have the disc. Is I put in the disc and um tried it out. Uh, this was KD three, which was god awful, and um also the fact the fact that uh, it didn't have the driver for my network card. So uh, so I was like no Wi Fi. Screw that. Going back to Windows. Um, but one thing I will on the point of uh, when you're saying anything that in the last 10 or uh, 15 years Linux will essentially run it. The only caveat that I'll put on that is if it's if your computer is basically just Intel everything. In other words if it's Intel graphics, Intel wireless card, Intel the whole way through it will just work as normal. The only thing is um, some laptop manufacturers have Belkin or I forget what the um, biggest would be um, Broadcom. Broadcom that's the one mm. uh, Wi-Fi card um, hit or miss um, some people in fact have bought a, a laptop with Broadcom uh, wireless chips on it got rid of that like literally opened it up unscrewed it got rid of it and then just put an Intel one and then it just works the Intel ones just tend to be more reliable with something with more dedicated uh, graphics cards um, historically it, um, uh, NVIDIA with their proprietary drivers were just that's the way to go um, regardless of your philosophy of of whether you like proprietary software or not, and uh, if you didn't want to do any kind of graphics intensive intensive things such as gaming or, um, design graphic design or anything like that, you just had to. There was no real choice. Had to go with a Nvidia card with the proprietary drivers. Now, and um, AMD seems to be, uh, 
embracing the open source nature and it's it's, it's not quite there yet but certainly with the late with more recent kernel versions which are 4.17 and 4.18 the very latest bleeding edge versions that are coming out now um, have the open source AMD uh, drivers integrated into it so um, if you're still deciding with the two for the moment if you're literally going out and buying a computer today or tomorrow I would still go with uh, the NVIDIA graphics um, uh, NVIDIA graphics card with the proprietary drivers but if you're thinking long term if you're thinking in a year or two I might be switching over to, to Linux and just doing all my I would, I would say in a year or two I would say AMD are going to overtake them um, and the fact that they're open source drivers rather than being proprietary drivers means that they're going to be embraced by the Linux community uh, but it, they seem to be coming um, don't, I'm not saying they're quite there yet but seem to be coming in leaps and bounds on the uh, the AMD graphics side um, and my laptop has just died or not died but <laughs> uh, it's I just have to log back in oh ok so let's hope that feel, feel free to talk about yourselves yeah that's uh so so i'll keep talking as if that hasn't interrupted <laughs> <laughs> um i think we're okay are we okay <laughs> yeah we're good okay um sorry did i interrupt you there no it's okay uh the next uh, maybe the next uh we have another bit of news here um microsoft windows as a service oh what's this all about well what happens is there are blogs and so far is more like oh, rumors yeah, or you know half information i think it started with mary joe foley's blog that i heard on uh, linux action news uh, cited that basically microsoft is going to charge you monthly for you using windows and you get the, you get the hardware but it's uh, yeah it's basically desktop as a service i think the idea might not be new I, I, well, the idea is not new. Other other companies do that, not not as known, but uh, it's also probably been brewing in Microsoft for a while. Now the question is, is it is this going to be ad- another reason for people to switch to something else? For example, Linux. We yeah, I think people always like to say that they like to say, oh, this is the death knell of propri- proprietary OSs and. This is what they're going to get, get. They're going to shoot themselves in the foot when they do this, but it never really happens that way. Like people just kind of get used to the new status quo, I think, and they just sort of accept it. Mainly because they don't know that there's another option out there. Like most most people using their computers day to day, they don't really care. They're just like one like once they're like, okay, we'll pay Microsoft this monthly fee. That sucks, but whatever. Um, but like the. Like most people don't look any further than that. They just think, I want to use my computer. How do I do that? And like, I think so that the real, what really like how people like us need to jump on this stuff now is, is to like, like be, be right there. Just like when people start grumbling about it. Well, actually (laughs) (laughs) I have an alternative. If you, Mm -hmm. if you give me a few moments, um, and, uh, yeah, like, like it has steam, you can still play games. Um, like, so it's, it's really important to, be like there with the alternative straight away and I, I don't really know how that's going to work on a larger scale other than just like just people like us who are already interested in it suggesting it to our friends or family or whatever but like yeah this is um yeah obviously they they, they win like microsoft do 
obviously they think they will make money from this. I mean, is this like a business, like enterprise type thing, or is this a personal computing? I, I think both. I think the thing here is that they are, you know, some time ago they said they wouldn't want to, uh, they basically they turned Microsoft Windows into a rolling release, kind of. Yeah, it's, they're saying uh, Windows 10 is the last version of Windows we're ever going to release. There's, how, no, there's not going to be Windows 11. How do you keep charging for this? You know, that's the thing. True, true. Uh, so you need... You need, or they need some kind of revenue stream, I guess they think, and uh, maybe they will figure because uh, they they are doing something like this with the surfaces, I think, maybe in the states. Um, I've, I didn't, his name is Casey uh, at the moment, but the CEO of Microsoft, Nadella, yeah, um, he basically cut his teeth in the Office 365 section, so in other words, he's the Office 365 champion, and yeah. they're like, okay, so. That is making us a shit ton of money. Uh, we're looking for a CEO. Okay, now he's now the CEO. So uh, you imagine coming from that background, he's thinking, hmm, I wonder can I do this with Windows? And subscription services, like Microsoft is a subscription some services when it comes to Office, yeah. when it comes to Azure. So they probably, also maybe they would be able to subsidize the devices. So you go to PC World and instead of uh, splashing out, I don't know, 400, 500 quid on a consumer-based hardware, you get it for 100. I'm, I'm making this up, right? But yeah. you make you get it for 150, like your phone. And for the PD, uh, as long as you have it, you pay, I don't know, 50 quid, 50 euros, 60 euros every month. Mm. Uh, whatever they, they might throw in with it, something maybe. And uh, then uh, next time you get another computer, it's not going to be 600 euros. It's going to be, again, 150. I imagine. Don't know. Um, that's a, an interesting point because historically, um, when you're buying a computer, they, they call it the, the Windows tax or whatever. It was your, uh, your, when you're buying a computer, there, the 100 euro license for Windows was included in the, in the retail price. In other words, um, between Microsoft and the vendor, be it Lenovo, HP, Compaq, whoever you're buying it from, um, they just pass that on to the consumer. Um, and there was a historical argument of, with Linux, you know, this is free, you don't have to pay any kind of license fee. Um, for the average consumer, especially since if Microsoft are getting rid of the, you have to pay up front for the 100 euro license or whatever, and that's just been going to be included in this subscription, or we're going to even subs um, subsidize the, the hardware itself, we're doing a deal with or the OEM of Winder, HP or wh whoever it is, um, that would even make it even more enticing. Uh, unfortunately, rather than the whole thing of Linux is free, like you can literally, um, not not pay the the Microsoft license, and I think I think it, in some European countries, I think it was even uh, it was a gentleman initially, like, um, he went in bought a computer, and this was I don't know five six years ago, but he went in and bought a computer, and he literally had photographic evidence or whatever evidence that was enough evidence for the court to say when the end user license agreement came up saying he was clicking no saying no i reject this this license and he's saying i never wanted um uh, windows on this computer when this was the only option i had and i want um, a refund of the um the microsoft license that was i was forced to pay because it was the only computer that it was the only option i had was to buy a computer with this license included including the 100 euro or whatever it was and i think it went all the way to the court and he ended up getting the refund um of, of, of uh, microsoft and nice. i think and because of that i think 
um, in some European countries, may even possibly be Germany, there um, a lot is particularly online. There's a no OS version, or what to do is if if there's no if if it's not a no OS, they'll include a, a free OS. And what it, it, it invariably is is um, free DOS, which is just a very basic operating system. As in other words, we'll sell you this with free DOS already pre-installed, and then you install whatever you want on top of it. Uh, rather than it being a no OS, because I think um there might be backlash of it being no OS of people um going and saying I pay for this computer but it doesn't work or it doesn't function as a computer I can't do anything on it, then um there probably be so they're probably covering covering themselves of both both yeah, sides. Yeah, I, ha- I had a situation uh, years ago when I built built my first PC actually like I was uh, I was going through the form and it was this like custom PC place near quite near my house actually and. I was looking through and I was going, oh yeah, I'll have one of those, I'll have one of those. I was b- building my ideal PC within my budget. And <laughs> then I got to the end, it was like operating system and it was like, and I, I just managed to keep it under the yeah. under the line of my budget. And it was like, it was like a Windows 7 license um, or whatever, I think it was Windows 7 at the time. And uh, yeah, the license was like an extra hundred quid. Yeah. And I was like, no, <laughs> and I said, I said, screw that. I'll just buy the PC and I'll just put, I'll just put Linux Mint on it. Screw you guys, and I did. And yeah. I, I, I happily used that PC for for like two, three years before I ever needed to use Windows again. Like, and so you know, if, if only people would know how easy it is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, obviously if you're um, if you're buying the parts yourself, or even there's there's. Um, I think there there might be US based, but there there are um essentially there's web pages where they're saying, uh, we source all the parts ourselves and we even design our own cases and so in others are the the computer case you would have our name on it if you if you want and they, they uh, but we'll also sell other computer cases but what they say is you just said essentially tick all the boxes and then we'll build it and we'll send it out to you um i'm, I'm sure those is like you know we can pick whatever operating system you want including no operating system um but for the uh, joe or jane blogs who are literally just going to PC world or whoever it is and saying hmm uh, these are all the laptops and I want that laptop at this price and it's always a, a HP laptop or, or Dell laptop or whatever it is um, and it will include that and there's essentially there isn't that option but um, there it would never be well, I won't say never but it's not currently in physical stores but there are op- there are options if you're listening uh, listening in North America there's um a place called System76 and they will sell you laptops, uh, desktop PCs with Linux um, Ubuntu already pre-installed on it and for our, um, for people over this side of the pond um, there's uh, a company over, over in the UK called Enterware and they will do something very similar and I'm sure um, I think there's a, a German equivalent as well where they're, they'll um, uh, the name escapes me at the moment but I think will do the exact same thing where they will they, you will pick a pre-configured PC, um, um, laptop or whatever, and they will put um, a bunch of Linux on it, and that's all they put on. They don't put um, Windows on the, on any of their computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's always options out there if you do not want uh, to pay the hundred euro license or whatever it is. I was very impressed with this uh, German website I saw before. Uh, I remember lots of PC nerds used to go there because uh, it was super cheap. Um, hardware for sand. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember that one <laughs> before it went tits up. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, but like you had to pay by bank transfer and all this crap. Like, yeah, that was weird. But like, um, 
but yeah, like they they actually I think they did have an option for to install uh, Linux on it for you instead of Windows. Um, pretty, pretty I believe nice. um on my um a lot of my components from my desktop PC. I think I actually did um order them from Hard Reverse and um, uh, yeah, it was very good. Um, I don't. I, I can't remember off the top of my head was it all they did was just sell you the individual parts or was there an option to we'll build they, it for you they did have a, an additional option to assemble it for you yeah. for an extra fee I think it was an extra 30 quid or 50 quid maybe oh genie if I know that for an yeah. extra it was only an extra 30 quid <laughs> I mean I was super excited about putting it together myself but then I got it and I was like yeah, this is fun and all, but it's stressing me out. <laughs> no, it's, it's, especially when you're getting to the woodboard stage where everything's really delicate and you're like, like one false move, with, and especially with static electricity, I could literally just fuck up this entire thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it can be quite stressful. It's so. nerve-wracking. If you start, less nerve-wracking if everything you were handling wasn't so expensive. But like, <laughs> you're just... Or, but not necessarily expensive, but certainly delicate. Um um, so in other words one false move and particularly on the motherboard and literally nothing works um, but yeah especially with the, the, the all the little screws and everything and you're like <laughs> yeah constantly like redoing things have yeah. I done that right like, am I pressing enough am I not pressing enough like what's what's happening here uh, yeah so essentially um, if you find a, a website that will sell you the components individually but for an, an extra fee uh, if it's something like 50 quid it would ne- quite nearly be worth it <laughs> just to have it, it might um, actually cost more in shipping if they're in, if it's pre-assembled in, in the one box it might cost more in shipping rather than shipping the individual parts so that's another thing to factor in as well um, uh, and also the delicate nature of ha- um, shipping a pre-assembled box versus the individual components but the, your mileage may vary you might you, to, depending on um, whether you think it's worth it or not, the extra fee that they charge for a pre-assembly might actually be worth it. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I think I'll, as much as I enjoy PC building, I've, I've assembled, I think, three of them at this point, and I don't need, need, need any more years off my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, think, I think I'll just let the professionals do it next time. It, yeah, I, I think... I, it, well, my, my PC at the moment, um, bar um, quite possibly upgrading the... Uh, the graphics card, which is a simple enough upgrade, is literally unscrew something, get rid of it, get, prop, prop in a new thing. But if it's something uh, drastic like um, replacing the motherboard because I've, there's a new fancy CPU out and my motherboard doesn't support it, and so if you, you if you want that CPU, you're going to have to replace the motherboard. Um, something like that, I would nearly say, okay, can you just not just assemble it for me? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, uh, go or go into uh, a shop like uh, a PC repair shop or something like that, and just um, slipping a guy like twenty quid or something. <laughs> <laughs> Would you not just assemble this assemble this Um. Yeah. So, shall we move on to some other topics? Yeah, certainly. Um. I believe we have uh, some discussions to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading what's written here. <laughs> um, I believe this is one that uh, Mike put in, but in relation to the whole jailbreaking culture, and if you have bought something, let's say an Amazon Kindle or an iPhone or um, your Android phone or something like that, um, should you have the, the right or should you have the capability of customizing it and putting new software on it if you uh, wish to? 
I was really excited to talk about this actually because <laughs> I was just I was explaining to, to my girlfriend last night I was like like I was reading the the notes for this this show and and and, I, and it was like and she was like oh, what's what's that all about what's jailbreaking what is that like and I was like well basically I said that this is something I'm very passionate about I think if you buy a product yeah like this laptop here if you buy this and take it home it's mine yeah I can do whatever the fuck I want with it like it's mine <laughs> like it's like get your hands off my property basically it's <laughs> like like don't don't put all these like strings attached to the, this product that I have bought with my own money like yeah. if I want to take the damn thing apart and like, put it back together a different way that's my business I, I can put whatever software I want on it I can mess with it whoever I please like I really don't think it's almost like intellectual property is extending into reality like it's 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 so weird like i just don't get it i it's 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 purely there just so so people can make money off uh, off this stuff like like if you sure if you want to send it to a professional who knows how to fix it and you don't know how to do it then that yeah fine that's that that like if that's a service that's offered that's great but like if i have some knowledge and I managed to open up the case and fix something and then put it back together and then maybe I come across a like a more serious problem a few months down the line and I don't know how to fix that and then I send it off them saying no sorry you've opened the case you voided your warranty it's like what <laughs> what am I paying for <laughs> like like I yeah I just I, I just don't think it's I don't think it's very fair like yeah something I feel pretty strongly about um, certainly in relation to software, uh, I would um, I would certainly agree with you saying that uh, because um, on my own um, um, phone over there, um, I have put Lineage OS, which isn't what the version of, uh, it's based off Android, but it isn't the Android that um, OS that came with it. Um, certainly agree with you in relation to uh, to software, but in terms of hardware, um. Um, to a certain extent, I can sort of see the manufacturer side of things of this is the way we designed it. And if you're messing around with it, if you're putting in other components or whatever, uh, we we cannot honour the, the, the warranty because you've changed the internals of it. Oh, yeah, well, I guess um, that's fair enough, yeah, I suppose. Um, so, so much so that, um, again, um, back to, to, uh, to Windows, uh, sometimes... Um, I think it's they're fine with replacing things like hard drives and things like that, but I think Windows will t- will take a stamp of your of your motherboard, and that's the way they work out their licensing and saying, okay, I, I bought um or built my own PC and it needs an, an operating system. I know I'm going to pay the hundred euro and put Windows on it, and so the way they track of saying making sure that you don't put that 100 euro version on on multiple um computers or you've bought an individual license and put it on multiple computers versus if you bought let's say a 10 license and you that would they'll be fine with that is the it's down to the the motherboard and there's been there's been cases where they have to prove that no uh, my motherboard died uh, i'm going to have to replace the motherboard but it's all it, like this is my own uh, p- pc i had to do and, that yeah. yeah and the, you there is i think recorded cases of them having to prove saying no this is still the same pc but my motherboard went mm. tits up and I'm, i had to replace it and now this is a new version can yeah, i can I, I still maintain my my version of windows i swapped out my hard drive before and um i swapped the hard the same hard drive over to a new computer yeah and i was like, getting rid of the old one and selling it and, yeah. and like I uh, I didn't in fairness I didn't have that much 
bother getting them to yeah. getting a new license key or whatever like it did come up like this is like yeah. we've detected this isn't the same PC or whatever it said at the time yeah. but and they called this number and I called them I was like oh I just swapped the hard drive into like my new PC and uh, but it's still on, only on one PC like yeah. I'm not putting it on multiple PCs and but they didn't seem to have a problem they were like oh just go click on this give us this number and then we'll give you a code to put in and then it just worked it was fine uh yeah no i'm just saying they do have a uh, way of, but uh, certainly in relation to software i would uh, agree with you uh, to a certain extent um uh, the examples here that mike has put in uh, i think is you saying that you recently got a kindle and you're thinking that i should be able to put my a version of Linux on it or something like that or something more oh, you want a version of Linux so come on the thing <laughs> is the thing is cheap and, and relatively dumb compared to the computer right but oh, yeah. uh, you so Amazon do this thing that they say well it's 66 euros you buy it and they will put adverts on the lock screen you know it's an e-ink so it never goes completely dark unless yeah. you turn it off so whenever I whip it up in public there's an image oh, of... I think you can pay an extra 10 or 20 yeah. initially and say, we will sell you a non-advertised yeah. version. Uh, I, I, I was actually... So you can jailbreak the thing, yeah. but there are problems with this because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a kind of an armor situation where Amazon issuing you firmware and you can't jailbreak the one that I have and whatever. And I'm really worried about breaking it if I try jailbreaking it, about breaking it, right? Yeah. The other thing is, yeah, I, I went to Amazon and they said, well, okay, we, we replace it with, or we, we unsubscribe you from the special offers. Yeah. And the special, and I said, well, I didn't, I, I wouldn't mind if they were actually tailored to me, but you are showing me some romance books and I would never read it anyway. And I'm actually <laughs> embarrassed to take it out in public because it just shows some books I would never read. But should I? Uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm thinking, well, I, I bought it from them for a price that, that they say, I didn't see anywhere in the store, it was in Carrie's or Dixon's, or, I didn't see anywhere you are uh, an offer that I could buy it for extra money with, uh, without, without a subscription. I didn't actually I didn't actually look for it, so maybe it was there somewhere and I overlooked it or, yeah. or whatever. I believe it is the case, yeah, but continue, yeah. Uh, but could they... Oh, is it, it? It's so ridiculous that you can't even change the pictures on the on the thing. Is it? Is it too much, or is it their? Is it their prerogative since they are making basically a hardware extension of their uh, cloud service? Like, is it? Should we, should we demand the right to change stuff like that in software because this is not hardware? They 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 were able to switch it off from uh, from their call centers. So should we be able, uh, allowed to demand? The, 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 the demand that we can change anything software-wise that is not, say, 3G radio on, on a piece of hardware, or is it a too a radical idea? I suppose it depends where the... Like, what are they trying to protect? Like, what is, what is Amazon trying to protect when they're locking down a Kindle? I, th I think what they're... Tr tr I think what what they want to keep on there is the DRM software. Yeah. So I think what they want to, they don't want you messing about the software because you could then get a, get a lot of EPUB files off, off 
BitTorrent and stick it on, and that's that's what they don't want. You can do that anyway. I you know I bought a humble bundle, uh, e humble bundle mm. DRM free, and yeah. send them to my Kindle, and it works perfectly. Mm. You can wrap you can wrap a website as Moby uh, EPUB book and okay. send it to it. It will still work. What I'm thinking is, and also Firefox lets you watch Netflix. Mm. That is DRM written thing, so uh, you don't. They, that that they could use it without. They will. Uh, Firefox still respect the DRM in that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Firefox itself is free software, yeah. and I can I can take I can un- uninstall Firefox if I wanted to. Yeah. I uh, in in any or you know uh, so it doesn't it from that point of view I think they are being a bit too. Uh, I don't know, a bit bit too tight with it's their kind rules. Kind of a fine line. Yeah, I mean. Most people, yeah, I think I think the, it's very hard to know what's the like what they should be doing. Like because I think the ideal situation I'd like to see would be if you buy uh, this a device off a company with software you don't like, and there just so happens to be like a modded version or an alternate version on on like designed by someone else by the community or something. And they and the, you should be able to go say okay well you maybe enable developer access or something or you know uh, just open it up a bit more like if you so choose most people probably wouldn't bother but like yeah the, the vast majority of people are just go wouldn't wouldn't even care exactly uh, so you're talking about a tiny fraction of yes, the market that the would, tinkers that would yeah people like us who would probably bother to do this in the first place so I don't really see how they're losing out. If, if if we think, right, well, we don't like your software, we don't like your stupid ads, so, you know, we're going to put on this nice little community-developed version that, that that does all the same things and better. So, you know, why should they care? I mean, what are they afraid of, is, is what I'm wondering. I think it could benefit them. If they open-source that, obviously, I mean, I would think that, right? But if they open-source the Kindle film or whatever they call the operating system, uh, People could actually improve it mm. as well. You know, they people even even people who are not exactly into free software on the Kindle forum say, "Well, I'm thinking of jailbreaking because then I can put my own pictures as a lock screen image." Because even after they taken away the ad, the, the ads, mm. you still don't have to. You cannot import your own images. You have to. You get some screensavers that are on it, right? Mm. Some pictures of pens and pencils. But uh, they also say. Well, I would also like a sane PDF reader because the one that's on it is rubbish. So mm-hmm. you know there, and people could people could improve it for Amazon mm-hmm. with no cost to them. But then, for some reason, uh, they don't like the idea of it. The nice uh, thing is actually the Kindle the Kindle software is actually a stripped down Linux distro, if I'm not mistaken. Probably is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else would it be? <laughs> what else would run on something that's that that efficient or that small? Um, well, one compromise I'm not saying it's, they're ever going to do it but one compromise that I could see would work is uh, your, the Kindle that arrives is like okay this is running our software be the subsidised version saying okay this is running our advertisements blah 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 blah. it could be even deep in the settings and it could be a toggle saying um, there be dragons like if you, if you um, toggle this you're on your own this will open it up if you want to flash something new on it, but um, your your warranty is completely null and void beyond this point. I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, fine. Mm. Um, it just means, yeah, um, Amazon will, will, will just say, 
we don't know what's from this point onwards we don't know what software is is on it because we didn't develop it ourselves so naturally we're not going to support it because we can't just bring it into our to our support center and say well we know what this is because this this is our own this is our own software we're going to do do, do, do." if it says they're like caution there be dragons beyond this point your warranty is void then I think they'll be perfectly okay. Yeah, t- tinkers are all too familiar with consequences, but, <laughs> but like, well, you, you want what you want is the option. Yeah. Like, you don't give a shit if there's a big fat disclaimer that yeah. says, yeah. you know, you're dead to us if you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, if 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 you want to, if you just give us the option. Yeah. I mean, even if there's even if it's a point of no return, so be it. Like, yeah. like whatever. We just want the option. That's all. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd be in agreement with that. Yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. I um, tried to do that with my Kobo e-reader, my old one, um, which is far more, which is amazing. Like, I don't know if you can do this with a Kindle, but I had a Kobo Mini. It's a really old e-reader. You just pry off the back of the case, undo like six screws, and there's actually a tiny little micro SD card that holds the OS. And you just take that out, and you can just flash it with something new or put in a brand new one if you want. Yeah. Don't think you can do that with a Kindle now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the Kindle is, is, I don't think there's even any... There's no screws. Yeah, yeah. user accessible screws. I, I saw a guy who put... Um, I saw this guy who put Debian on uh, a Kobo e-reader. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I, no, you can, you can jailbreak the Kindle as well, but I think to, to pry it open, you'd have to take a heat gun to it and then buy it by e-ink, really. Because, <laughs> uh, but, no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, certain, and that applies to anything from obviously the, the, the very nature of the fact that um, I think they, they went through um, this whole thing with PCs, uh, personal computers uh, in the 80s or early 90s where um, basically I think it was Compaq um, reverse engineered the design of the Amazon PC and then from then on it was it was it was then there was the the holy grail of it's an IBM version or it's, or it's, it's compact version. Then after a while, uh, like everyone basically just copied the compact version and essentially and then there was a a court case and essentially just said that listen this is an open platform, like do what whatever you want. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So the 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 very idea of the fact that Windows cannot force you to say no this is a locked down computer this will only run windows Win- or, Win- or microsoft cannot do that because of this i think it was this court case that happened you guys uh, should definitely check out a show called uh, halt and catch fire have you ever watched that no no, no it's really good it's 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 not a well it's i think it's like an amc show okay like the first season of that is um is basically what you're describing like the mid late like mid like early to mid 80s yeah and like ibm are basically ruling the ruling the roost in terms of um personal like home computing so uh yeah it's all about like they basically reverse engineer yeah. the ibm by like they literally go through the this it's, it's really cool like it's a real nerdy show like and they <laughs> they basically extract the binary from yeah. the uh like the like the e- eproms or whatever they are on the motherboard like the little chips like they extract the binary and they like it's amazing like a really cool show yeah. but they reverse engineer the ibm ho- home computer um and uh, there's a whole like legal battle and stuff, but interesting show. Halt and catch fire. Oh, um, one thing that I definitely do want to talk about, and it's something I think uh, Mike also um added in was the Mozilla's new design philosophy and uh, this whole thing. Um, I did have a, a look at it. There's there's if you click uh, on the link there. Um, uh, I don't know if these 
um, links will be available in any kind of show notes or anything like that. Well, sure yeah, um, but the Mozilla Open Design, and they have two different tiers, which they're calling System One and System Two, which I think are um, not the best names in the world. But the my strikeout thing was for System One, for their overall icon, it just looks too uh, much like the GitLab logo or the um, Wiley Fox logo. Um, the system two um, is more close to the to the current Firefox icon, and I actually don't mind the current Firefox icon. So I'm not, not necessarily saying that they should need a redesign, but if they were going to do a redesign, I would definitely be uh, leaning towards system two because it's closer to the uh, current Firefox icon rather than being a complete and utter drastic change. Which, so I, I don't know if this is just a thought experiment on their blog, um, if they're actually going to implement any of these ideas or are they just looking for feedback um, hopefully they're just looking for feedback and it's probably not good uh, I mean they they had recently they redesigned Firefox itself so if they're going to redesign Firefox and redesign the logo I think it's it's been too much so hopefully they're going to stick with the current redesign of Firefox and the current logo for another three to four years at least and maybe this is just something that's a thought experiment um, from, uh, from the, the, sometime in the future so uh, what are you guys thoughts on the whole I don't think so I had a massive rant mostly in my own head <laughs> and then a bit of t- on Telegram and then actually I, I made a post hey, but I think they didn't approve the post even though I wasn't uh, cussing or anything but basically from the from the language yeah. of the post not the design language of the things but the, the, the language the English is written in Evolving the Firefox brand, obviously somebody has taken over the Mozilla design offices <laughs> and uh, those people are able to say things like, working across traditional silos, we are designing a system that can guide people smoothly from our marketing to our in-product experiences. Now, since since Mozilla is allowing this to appear on their blog, they are, they, they're, they're must, this is, must have been an intent. So they are actually doing this they don't they say yeah, they are, this is not a crowdsourced idea or this is not an attempt for crowdsourcing ideas this is them saying which one do you like better and we are gonna probably we are gonna take your opinion it's not a vote but we are take, gonna take your opinion into account and there is a massive discussion underneath it mm. people saying yes i like this or i like that uh um, well, it is it is credited with the uh, Tim Murray, the creative director at Mozilla, at towards the end. So if, if somebody that's going all the way up to the creative director, it does it does doesn't seem like it's some um, intern at the weekend says, "Hey, what do you guys think of this?" I think it do, it's definitely some kind of I- I- intent. Um, but there is a lot of um, marketing buzzwordy language in it. Um, so I don't know if if it was meant to be. Um, just put out there with within the design community, or um, was supposed to be picked up by the the wider techosphere. Uh, well, I don't know. I I don't obviously know how Mozilla works, but I imagine that you because it's not a corporation and nothing is really that tight in there, or it's a corporation, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it's it's a non-profit. So I'd imagine they they have a group of people who came together, saying we like design and marketing, and we would like to to work for Mozilla and do this branding thing. That's what I imagine. That's where it come from. Now, obviously, these people use this in this language, and they create things like System One and System Two. I personally actually don't like either of them. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say I don't like either of them. It's, it's, it's a bit of uh, cookie cutter kind of meat, uh, three-year-old 
colors, color <laughs> pencils. I, I, I don't know. It's 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 a bit too. Uh, it's a bit weird actually. Especially the system too is. It's kind a bit of too over designed or something. Like it's, it's it's there's too much color gradients and shit going on. Like I, I mean I love the original Firefox logo just and they redesigned it not too long ago as far as I know. Like yeah, that, that's what I was saying. It's like uh, that's a beautiful logo. Like look at it. Just it's just there it's and, just nice and everyone knows <laughs> what it is right yeah so so what also what kind of experience what else do they do they have a web browser and a good one i mean i use it every day but what what what, what other in brand in product experience do they offer okay. yeah exactly it's, um, it's kind of a so they they put um, term, they, they really. put thunderbird out to um to out to tender because um it was under the the Mozilla Corporation, which is the for-profit, as none and others, we can. This is for-profit. We can we can actually pay developers full-time salary. Blah 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 blah. And the um, Thunderbird is now under the Mozilla uh, Foundation, which is a non-profit of overarching the Mozilla Corporation. But it just means that you guys are out by yourself. Um, like in terms of you're under the legal protection of. The Mozilla Foundation, in other words, the copyright, uh, everything is all still in house. But in terms of funding, in terms of everything like that, the the uh, I think um, Thunderbird are now doing um, uh, sponsorship or, or donorship drives because they no longer are under the the payroll of the Mozilla Corporation. Uh, whereas um, Firefox, you're right. Uh, I think Firefox itself. Um, or is, is the main bread or main thing, thing, main focus of the Mozilla Corporation? Well, if I look at it right, so there is halfway through or whatever, there is a system one icons for new apps and services, and system two icons for new apps and services. So they are considering having new apps and services. So if you look yeah. at the logos, there is a kind of a parachute or maybe a galloping. So are they what, say, an airline or no? And <laughs> it's like. It, so I don't know what that is. Then there's clearly some kind of a mail icon. So that's probably For Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Yeah. Then some like a key keyhole or an asterisk that could be a password entry. It's like a camera lens aperture type thing. Like th that's an interesting one. Yeah. So so are they gonna do like Google kind of services where they will be hosting your pictures? Maybe the key. Maybe they're getting into security. Authentication. Maybe they already yeah, have that before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like. I'm more interested in the services than, uh, you know, if, if Mozilla does something. Because now, if this was Microsoft, I couldn't give two crabs even if I use use their, you know, use their software because they they have their own money. They, they don't need a community. But Mozilla is a community organization. Mm -hmm. They are one of the uh, very big players in our world, right? So mm -hmm. they are important. Now... They also happen to make the only, or at least for me, the only viable uh, alternative to Google Chrome, which I use, like, and I use Firefox all the, uh, every day. So I, I would like them to, you know, keep focusing on the browser, yeah, and not not do not not repeat tragedies of the past like <laughs> Firefox OS, which, <laughs> which is yeah, the, um, for, uh, Mozilla in the past have been. And doing the spattergun effect of just uh, throwing things at a wall and seeing what um, what, and they have of the last year or two have refocused. Um, I whatever the the reasoning behind um, um, putting 
uh, Thunderbird out to pasture and uh, separating that out to outside of the Mozilla Corporation. Um, but the, the fact that they're redoubling down, refocusing on Firefox and things is a good thing. Um, these icons seem to suggest that they're going to spread their out their um, their focus again, which I I think is. It's probably a bad thing, um, considering the mistakes of the past. In which case, just freaking bring Thunderbird back <laughs> into the fold. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're going to have another shot at Firefox OS because the, there's some screenshots here. I don't know how telling all this is. This could just be, you know, I just think this theoretical. Just a, I think this is just a design exercise. Oh, I see. Yeah, because like, yeah, they they definitely have smartphone screenshots. Yeah, there. but this is. I don't think they are going to put Firefox OS. I guess that's on probably Android, Samsung. Though. On a yeah. Samsung uh, Galaxy S9, <laughs> whatever this is. And, well, you know, Firefox OS, actually, interestingly, is now the second most popular Third. OS in second in India. Oh, India, sorry. Because really? they, well, not under the dango, because uh, an Indian uh, company uh, released uh, a, a lot of feature phones yeah. running uh, their own branded Kai OS. Which oh, is Kai a OS, yes. Kai OS, which is basically based on Firefox OS, hmm. and they are so cheap and so popular that they overtaken uh, iOS in uh, in India. Wow! So and they're third in the third in the world, but like not third in the world as in uh, one and two, and then like one percent is like number three. It's like third in the world as in they've a fairly significant chunk because there's a ton of people in India. I mean, stating uh, the obvious. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. It's. It essentially, it boils down to it's a, it's kind of a feature phone OS that has some smart um, integrations in the the big apps that you want, as in Twitter, WhatsApp, and so on and so forth, um, is available on this platform. Um, so the big it, it's not completely another uh, open platform, as in you can you can write your own app and you can um, install whatever you want. It is fairly yeah. um, it's fairly locked down, fairly. Um, um, I'm trying the word and I uh, can't think of the word at the moment, but it's um they're fairly picky about what uh, applications they let in. But the big ones like your Instagram, your your Twitter, whatever, um those are in, um and also the fact that is um it is four G capable because obviously um the even though it's a feature phone OS, the two G uh, networks and now and, and eventually the four the three G networks are going to be turned off and it's going to be four G and five G. So the um, it's straight out of the bat. It is um uh, has four G um capability integrated into the into the operating system as well. Of naturally the hardware as well and uh, that it's running on. But um despite the fact it's a, it's a feature phone OS. And I think Google dropped recently twenty mil on it. So yeah, uh, Google are actually investing in it as well. And yeah, so but then that's Mozilla lost on this because they develop something. A lot of people are gonna use, but mm. Mozilla is never gonna see anything from it. I doubt that it's gonna even run Firefox. So uh, yeah, uh, it's an interesting development. But uh, I wonder, I wonder what what could it did them. Uh, we seem to be mentioning quite a lot of things that it would be useful for people to look up um, after the show if they're, if they're, oh, they're curious. So, um, as much as we as we can, we will just we will try to um, put these links in some sort of um, uh, show notes or something like that. Uh, we've yet to figure out if it's going to be a website or 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 just a, a Google Doc that we send out to people or whatever it is, but we will endeavor to have some kind of um, show notes uh, with all of these links to um, 
um, the topics that we're talking about um, as they appear. Um, needless to say, we won't be perfect. So if, if there are things that are missing, um, feel free to get in contact with us and we'll try to um, include them or uh, just reply to your email with the relevant link is info at dlug dot uh, or uh, info at dublinlinux.org is the email address so that's info at dublinlinux.org uh, even though as I said this is not directly affiliated with the Dublin Linux group uh, just, but that's the best way for the moment anyway yeah so uh, I think we um, I think we have a few uh, short announcements um, yeah, public service announcements public <laughs> service announcements uh, yes all three of us plus Tad, who is, isn't here, is uh, <laughs> uh, we are going to be at Og Camp 18 in Sheffield. Um, so that's on Saturday, August 18th to Saturday, Sunday, August 19th. And it's uh, a free culture unconference, which is uh, which basically means you can show up and do a talk on whatever you like. It's kind of Linux and open source focused, I guess. But, you know, it can. I've seen talks about it. I saw a guy do a talk on how to be a good salesman last year. <laughs> um, like, the, <laughs> just random, very random. It's already next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, it's getting really close. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever this episode gets published it's it might be off yeah it, 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 it might we might still be it might still be in the future or it might have passed in which case gee that was a great, uh, great experience <laughs> just got back from our camp yeah. <laughs> I'm beat Ooh. boy am I hungover <laughs> um, yeah so that's that's great um, that's something we're all going to be at so yeah the, hopefully hopefully you guys can make it if not Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, potentially, we will see you at uh, Ogg Camp nineteen or um, any future versions. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, um, if you live in Dublin, though, <laughs> where we're 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 always gathering in the Longstone Pub every month on what is it, the fourth Saturday of every month? The fourth Saturday of the of every month, and again, this is the Dublin Linux User Group that we're all organisers in. Uh, if you want to actually come around and have a point with us or just uh, chat with us, anything Linux related, we as we're organisers of the Dublin Linux User Group, we tend to um, do that. So uh, again, just a plug for the Dublin Linux User Group, the fact that we're all organisers in it, and yeah. we do monthly meetups. <laughs> now, the, uh, a valid question though, is there ever a month that doesn't have four Saturdays? No. Oh, no, okay. because the shortest month in the world, in the world, in the calendar, is <laughs> February, and it has got twenty-eight days. So that's exactly seven times four. So it yeah. must have four at yeah. least four Saturdays. In yeah. So uh, and also the reason why we say the fourth Saturday of the month because uh, we resisted the fact that we say the last Saturday of the month because some months have five Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, right. that's a nice little axiom for life, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you know, no month will have less than four Saturdays. You know. <laughs> Wax off, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anybody got anything else? May you never have a lesson for Saturdays. <laughs> um, the 
uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, the, in the public service announcement, Mike, you handed it. Oh, yeah, the Academy in uh, in Vienna, in Austria. That is basically this weekend. And none of us are going, but uh, <laughs> people people interested in KD development might still probably get in. And uh, again, this could be in the past. <laughs> this could be in the past, yes. Yeah. So uh, we if might not release this for like two months. <laughs> yeah, kickstart your TARDIS and go back to Vienna. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. How about um, our our discovery into Linux story? Um, what made you? In, what makes you enthused about Linux, and what your your first thoughts in relation? I briefly talked about it earlier when I was talking about um, two thousand six when I was kind of saying, "What is this whole Linux thing?" and put it in the CD. Um, so um, my whole thing was. Uh, I've heard about this free operating system, and, and this was free as in uh, gratis, not necessarily free as in freedom. The whole uh, freedom philosophy was something that I discovered l- later, but I was like, free, that's my favorite kind of price. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the whole idea of, wait, you, there's an operating system, and you don't have to pay for up- upgrades, and you don't have to pay. So that that part of it was mainly because I was a poor, very poor student at the time um, that appealed to me. and. Uh, off and on since then, since uh, as I said, two thousand six is almost uh, well over ten years ago, nearly twelve years ago <coughs> at this at this stage, um, and off and on has just been flicking back between Windows and uh, Linux. Um, may I uh, kind of like tried Linux for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, then eventually find a um a program that I just really missed from Windows. Go screw this whole Linux thing, go back to Windows. Um, and then as those things became less and less frequent, I um, then gradually just switched full-time. So I've been full-time on Linux for about the last two years or so um, on all my computers, um, this current laptop and I have a desktop computer as well. Um, so Shane, why don't you talk about your... Yeah, I was, I was very similar. Um, probably around the same time as well, like 2006, 2007. I... I I don't really know how I first heard of Linux. I think it was just, I heard it somewhere, you know, yeah. like just Linux. Oh, what's that? Mm. <laughs> and uh, then I, I think I, got, I bought a magazine or something that had a, a, a cover disc on it with like a live, a live CD. I, I think it was like Linux format or something like that. Um, Linux magazine, maybe. Um, I didn't really understand a lot of what was in the magazine at the time. But uh, I put in, and I had one of these um, live CDs that had like, had like five or six distros on the same cd it was oh, really cool. cool like it was like a multi-distro i don't know how the hell they did that but like not big um, back in the day but yeah <laughs> it was crazy and and like I, I tried i tried them out and um i can't remember what i tried first i think it was just like ubuntu like i think that's where everyone began yeah. really uh, it was ubuntu or or uh what was that one then? Mandriva or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, Mandrake, which I think eventually being Mandriva. Oh yeah, I think it was Mandrake at yeah, the I time. Mandrake at the time. Yeah, and uh, I tried a bunch of them out, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I, I just what attracted me to it was that I could change everything. Like yeah, and, the and modularity I, is is because I went we we went through two or three home computers when I was a kid because I kept like messing around with system settings and breaking <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, oh, great, there's no consequences here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's what got me into it. Got me, that's what made me stay in it as well, was basically just that, that the choice and, and the, 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 just the level of customization. And just it's just more interesting than using Windows. It's just like Because I want to know how everything works. I want to know what's going on under the hood. If I don't know why that thing does that thing, I want to find out. Like, 
I, I don't I don't just use something and let that be that. I, I need to have more control over it. Well, yeah, it's, it, I suppose it appeals to the, the tinkerer in all of us um, the very fact that if you don't like the, um, the desktop environment that's in front of you whether it's KDE, GNOME or, or XFCE or whatever you can open up your terminal and install a, a new desktop environment reboot your computer or log, log out and log back in and you can have the option in your, in your menu to say try this new desktop environment same thing of if, if you're file manager you don't like your file manager um, you can install a new one um, there's ones like PC Man FM which are um, quite very um, lightweight so in others if you want to say um, my my file manager is, is too light on resources or, in terms of or light on features and too heavy on resources there's PC Man FM which is actually quite good and I think it's, it's compiled for both the GTK and QT um, environment so even if you're on KT, uh, KDE uh, you can use PC Man FM uh, on that point I actually one stage uh, an interesting anecdote was I was on KDE and KDE by default I, I don't know if they fix it now but there was no right click or open in terminal or, or even if I did it from the command line and said sudo um, dolphin um, ran into some kind of error and I couldn't really, <laughs> couldn't really, couldn't really figure it out. So I literally just installed PC Man of MQT and like saying, "This is my way around it." <laughs> so um, yeah, um, Mike, why don't you lay this down? Yeah, just just by yeah. the way, the, the, the KDE thing that wasn't a bug. That was uh, Jonathan Riddell, was the creator of KDE Neon, and he had this opinion that people shouldn't be running a, a window manager, oh not window manager, a file file manager, file browser as a root. So he removed that functionality. Uh, now he's back in because people wanted it. But if even even back in the day, you, you still could run Crusader, which is like a two pane uh, with with a uh, root mode. So uh, yeah, but it's back in now. So my uh, origin story is that what yeah. you call it? Uh, <laughs> discovery story is discovery what I've put yeah. down in the show notes anyway. Uh, I first saw Linux uh, like in the early two thousands, and I tried to install it on an old Toshiba laptop. In about 2004, I spent a night doing it, and in the end, the audio wouldn't work. So, <laughs> and it, there must have been Mundrake. Uh, so I uh, gave up on it, and then rediscovered it circa 2007 when I was working in an office, and I had this. Uh, I was given this laptop with. Uh, Windows XP to work with, but I couldn't install it. But the horrible thing wouldn't let me do things, and I hated the closed door that I uh, that they were there for you know for, for reasons that uh, because just because I wasn't allowed to open them. So when I was getting my all own laptop, I promptly reinstalled uh, uh, reinstalled Ubuntu. It was 2008, so it was hardy heron 804. <laughs> very very beautiful brown. Brown orange thing, so much brown. It was and it was an amazing, uh, amazing journey from then. Even though I got briefly distracted by the shiny and deserted to a Mac for two years in the middle, but uh, uh, it's just Squirrel. I, I did, I did come back because with with Linux, you know, especially you you look at something and you. As as you said, Shane, you can never. There's nothing stopping you from discovering how things work, and then yeah. uh, you you're not only confined to some applications that someone else makes uh, specifically for your desktop. Because even though if you if you want to run a full blown, uh, if you want to try what a full, running a full blown 
uh, email server, it feels like you don't have to hire a uh, you don't have to hire a uh, data center, which you know back in the day there was no digital ocean, so you couldn't do you couldn't just uh, have a simple VPS. But uh, you you would have to you could try it on your computer. It wouldn't be fast, and you you know it would be efficient. But you would see how things work, and, and it's an amazing learning platform. Uh, so and it teaches you computing rather than teaching you Microsoft Office or any any yeah, other specific exactly. software. It's so, not as commoditized. It's not a, it's not a product. Yeah. It's you're learning how like you're learning the, the systems. You're learning the the actual computing as you said it's not you're not learning how to use this product and the thing is that this is made as a started as a hobby project and the, the thing is that it is still a community project yeah. with, with roots in it especially maybe not the kernel anymore but it's still contributed by and it's not exactly the most corporate principle that runs it still it's a it's a you know it's a trade association that makes it and the desktop environments many of these things are just made by contributors who volunteer their time and do who do it because they enjoy doing it. And the fact that is, I, I work on Linux in an office job, mm-hmm. and I am capable of doing exactly the same work as my as my Windows colleagues. And we are not uh, we are not uh, we are not like programmers or developers. So we and the fact that I can sit next to them using a, a Linux workstation. And not, you know, not, not, uh, and I, and I do, can do exactly the same work. That's that's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's, and it just shows the strength of the community. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a great experience to be able to use Linux. Mm. Um, I'm just looking at the recording here. Uh, this will pro- this part here definitely probably won't make it into the recording. But we've uh, just gone over about um, one hour fifteen minutes, and thereabouts maybe slightly more. So it's probably a good place as any to wrap this up. Uh, I think we've pretty much covered most of our topics, and uh, I think that was actually went pretty well. Um, so I think we'll we'll call it a an evening here. Yeah. All right. So. Um, I've been Shane. I've been Connor. <laughs> I've been Mike. And once again, if you want to get in contact with us, um, just feedback in relation to this specific episode. We will, if we come up with better contact links, we will let you know if there's ever another one of these. Info at doublemilits.org is our doublemilits.org email address. Telegram. Oh, the um, doublemilits.org slash telegram is our telegram. And um, there's various other means. See you later. See you. See you later.